1: First uh, Peter chapter two, verse nine, the new King James version. I don't know if we have it on the screen or not, but uh, if not, I'll go ahead and read it. But you are, nope, we don't. So just listen. But you are, you are a chosen. I keep looking back. Like they're going to surprise me, but they ain't. First Peter two, nine, but you are, you are, you are, I'll still get your name and tell them you, you are. Look back at that person who said it to you and say, you are too. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Are you hearing that? He's saying, but you are leaders. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are a leader. I want to tell you really quickly six things leaders are. And then I'm going to give you 10. I know it's not going to be long, but I do want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, I think this will help you. We do have it on a podcast. So if you miss something, you can catch it later, but don't cheat. Write it down now. Okay. So here's five things. Leaders, leaders don't just know the right thing. They do the right thing. I know a lot of people who know the right thing. <clears throat> I, half of my, half of when I counsel somebody, you know, they're, they're like, what do I do? I'm like, what do you think you, you should be doing? And nine out of 10 times, they nail it. Right. What the hard part isn't knowing what to do. Let's be honest. The hard part is doing the right thing, not knowing just the right thing. Leaders believe things others do not believe. You got to believe in the impossible. The impossible for your family, the impossible for your business. If you're an entrepreneur, you got to believe in the impossible for your church. You got to believe in the impossible for your team, the impossible for your marriage. You got to believe in the impossible for your community and your city. Leaders believe things that others do not believe. Here's another one. Leaders see potential where others see problems. Leaders see potential where others see problems. We call them opportunities for growth. Yeah, that's a nice way of saying you got issues. (laughs) We work really hard and our staff to encourage one another. So when we have our evaluations, we don't say what well, you messed up. We say, hey, you know, I noticed some opportunities for growth. <laughs> and uh, it's not really just being a wordsmith. It's, it's replacing a problem with potential. We're saying, I see something in you. And I think I know that there's it's 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 not. Uh, throwing bad on you, but calling good out of you. And uh, how many times do we do that to our scenario? What, how would that affect our lives if every a challenging scenario in our life, instead of throwing negativity on it, we tried to pull positivity out of it. And we just said, hey, maybe, maybe God can you know, f- uh, feed a multitude with five, breads of f- uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. Like Maybe he can take uh, one stone and knock out a giant. And maybe he can do uh, big things with little stuff. Number four, uh, leaders lift everyone around them higher. If you're a leader, you build people up. You make people around you better. Here's a good one. Uh, leaders have courage, number five. Leaders have courage. You got to be courageous. My son, um, we took him to see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. You seen this? It's Spider- a Spider-Verse. Okay, so best Spider-Man movie by far, both real life and animated. I say real life. I mean, you know what I mean. Uh, spider is not real, but you know what I mean. Live action and animated, best spider movie by far, and uh, this is like his first like Hispanic superhero. <laughs> you know, for all my white people in the crowd who I love, we don't have a lot to choose from. You know, like I can't even think of one outside of Miles Morales. Nacho Libre, Nacho Libre is the closest we get to. <laughs> and so, <laughs> did you tell them they were the Lord's chips? That's my favorite. <laughs> line right there (laughs) they were the Lord's chips um and so he's this big Miles Morales fan and uh one day we were in the car talking about dreams and Liz was talking to him about dreams and he was like uh so she was like what's your dream and uh he was like I don't want to say and she's like well come on it's okay just tell me your dream and she's like no he's like I I don't think it's okay to pray for and uh she was like no tell me what it is and he was like I want to be Miles Morales he was like, I want to pray for the ability to climb walls and shoot webs. And he's like, and he was young enough to want it, but old enough to know, like, probably not going to happen. You know? And so and so he was like, I don't want to pray for that. And Liz and I really jumped on that. And we're like, well, you know what? It's not the superpowers that make the hero, because having the ability to climb walls doesn't make you bulletproof. Even if you had that power, would you have the courage to help someone else? Because if you could find the courage, you can be a hero. And so we're just telling them that heroes aren't people that have superpowers. Heroes are people who have super courage, who are super brave, who are willing to stand in the gap and pull others around them. And so leaders, leaders, leaders are people who have courage, the courage to do things that others aren't willing to do. And finally, and this will be a good segue into what we're doing. Leaders transform things. You get a good leader in a team, that team multiplies. You get a good leader, you put them somewhere in a church, that area in that church blows up. You take a good leader in a good way. You take a good leader, put them in a business, that business multiplies. You take a good leader, you you put them on any area, that area grows. Leaders literally transform things. People, organizations, org charts, societies, nations have been built by leaders. Um, And so religions, I mean, it... They're, they're transformative. So I'm gonna give you now quickly 10 ways to grow in your leadership. And these are 10 things that I'm learning myself. Um, some of them I'm living through currently. I can't say that I've accomplished, but that I'm, I'm working on. So these are 10 things that, oh, we do have slides. Come on now. Um, 10 leadership lessons. Sure, we'll go with that title. Um, and these are things that I'm, I'm processing right now that I'm going through, that I've learned in the last you know, uh, two years. of uh, of having the privilege of being called your pastor. And then some before that. uh, But number one, this is gonna sound like a diss, but it's really encouraging. Um, You're important, but not that important. Now, this sounds like a diss, but it's actually really encouraging. I'll tell you when I discovered this. It was uh, last Easter. You guys probably won't remember this, and it probably make, didn't make a big deal for you. But we have two services on Easter. At the 930 was the one that most of you came to because most of you were on the Dream Team back then. Or, or maybe there's a lot of first-time guests here. I don't want to take that for granted. We probably have people who weren't with us last Easter. But um, I, 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 you know, Easter's a big deal. It was the first time we had ever crossed the 1,000. People barrier, and I just felt like a lot was riding on it. And so we had two sermons. And at the 9:30, I don't mean to brag, but I killed it. And it killed it at the 9:30, man. It was a really good sermon. But um, I freaked out. And at the 11, despite what you may think, I just felt like I had bombed. I had done terrible. And I went home to Liz that day. And I don't can't remember if it was Liz or if it was the Holy Spirit. To be honest, they're starting to sound a lot alike. I'm not really sure who, who it was. But either her or the Holy Spirit. Because um, I told her, I was like, you know, we're just not going to bounce back. That sermon was so terrible. Nobody's going to come back. And uh, you wouldn't think that I think these things, but I think these things. And, uh, and so just being transparent, that's the best way to lead, to being vulnerable. And so she told me, she said, Jay, she said, you're important, but not that important. <laughs> like, okay, the church has been growing and the church has been being built But don't you think for one second that you're the reason or that your sermons are the reason like you're important and we appreciate those cute little messages you bring on Sunday, but but you're not that important. And here's what you have to understand as a leader, whether it's leading your home or leading your business, you definitely have to grow. You have to be a lifelong leader. You gotta work hard, you gotta love people. Like you're important. That's where, that's the one side of the pendulum. Here's the other side of the pendulum and the tension within, within which you live. But you're also not that important because the person who really does the transforming work is not you, it's God. God is the one who changes hearts. God is the one who changes lives. God is the one, like no matter how eloquent I become, no matter how hard I work at making words rhyme and creating cool sermon slide graphics with cool titles, none of that changes lives. Only God, only the Holy Spirit. And so you have to understand and, and feel the responsibility of leadership, but not the pressure of transformation. Whether you're a, And that, that, that can go for a parent of a wayward child Right. That can also go for a friend who has a friend who's living their life far from the Lord. Like a lot of times, if you're that other friend, you're thinking, what can I do to bring this person back to God? Like not a lot. Like you can love them. And I want you to receive that responsibility of loving your friends or your coworkers who are far from God. But you're not that important because Jesus is the will of the one who does the transformation. And let me tell you something else. Jesus loves them way more than you love them. And as much as you love them, you did not die for them. Nor would you. (laughs) Someone said, well, I love them, but not that much. I wouldn't, I don't know that I would go to that extent. I remember uh, one time, um, I won't spend this much time on every point, but I really feel I want to hit this one home. And I don't even know if I'll get to all 10. Maybe I'll pick up wherever I left off next Thursday. But um, I remember one time uh, there was a guy uh, in the, in the Bible college that I was a part of, his name was Mr. Darrell. Mr. Darrell was uh, paralyzed from the waist down. I might've shared this story before. He was paralyzed from the waist down. And, um, one day in our Bible college, we just got super full of faith and, uh, I ha- half faith, half emotion. And then this one girl came out and she was just like, and you know, the women, y'all have some crazy faith, you know, and I do mean crazy. Um, and so <laughs> faith is always a little bit crazy though. But then again, you have to give birth. So you got to believe, you know what I'm saying? That it's going to be worth it one day. God built you for that. So anyway, she came out of the group and she said, because it was good worship time. It was like that. I was like, heaven, come down. And she was like, we need to pray for Mr. Daryl right now that he gets out of his wheelchair. (laughs) And uh, the rest of our group was like, Okay. We'll follow your lead. <laughs> and so she gets the rest of the Bible college to come up. And Mr. Darrell's in his office, poor guy. And we're like, Mr. Darrell, come out here right now. <laughs> we're going to pray for you right now. In Jesus' name, that you would get out of that wheelchair. Love Mr. Darrow, sweetest, sweetest guy. He was raised his hand and said, pray for me." Believed, believed, believed with all his heart. And the girl went in. And she began to pray, and she began to cry, and she had more faith than the rest of us, because we were just saying amen. She was the one talking, you know? You ever been in a prayer like that, a group prayer? You ain't got the faith to pray the actual words? You're like, amen, amen. And then she says something real You're like, I can't amen that, but amen, you know? So she was, we were just amening. She was the one really going in, and uh, Mr. Jow did not get up. Don't laugh, it was a horrible day. Were you laughing? Horrible day, all of our faith was crushed, and... Uh, and then she said this to Mr. Darrell. She said, Mr. Darrell, she said, I'm, I'm so, by the way, uh, we're in the South, South Carolina. That's what we call everybody, Mr. and Mrs. And, and so we said, Mr. Darrell, she said, I'm so sorry. Um, this is what she said. She said that I did not have enough faith to get you out of that chair. And he, I'll never forget what he said. He said, sweetie, if you're willing to take the blame, you would have been willing to take the credit. It's not about you. You're not that important. God's got a plan for me in this chair. God's got a purpose for me in this chair. And it's not, you're not the center of the world. And you know what? That's not even a diss. Now everybody can go, ah, you, mean the sal- you mean the salvation of humanity doesn't rest on whether or not I hit a home run as for a sermon? Yes. Awesome. Not that important. And neither are you. All right. Number two, speak to the supervisor. Speak to the supervisor. Um, This comes, it's really, this is a point on, on prayer. Uh, One morning, uh, so sermon prep takes up a lot of my life. Um, It just does. i do a lot of content creation. Um, And uh, one morning I was a bit behind my sermon prep schedule. I try to be done by Wednesday night. Um, if my staff wasn't here, I would lie to you and tell you that I do get done by Wednesday night. Um, but they're here. And so the reality is sometimes I'm sending in slides on Sunday morning. Um, it's just and I don't want to get better, but that's kind of where I am. And uh, and it was like a Thursday and, uh, and I was feeling the pressure and I got up and I wanted to get right to work, you know, right to preparing sermons. Um, but in order to do that, I would have had a forego prayer. And I just felt like the Lord was whispering to me saying, you know what? The devil would have you do anything. I mean, anything other than pray. And I wanted to echo what I felt what God was telling me to you. If you're a leader, chances are you're also doing a lot of things and just hear me. The devil would have you do anything, even good things. He would rather you do them than pray. I'm going to get real personal and even, even sound, even sound like it's going to sound wrong in your ear, but it's so true. The devil would rather you spend time with your children than pray. The devil would rather you uh, preach the gospel than pray. The devil would rather you start a business that that feeds orphans all over the world than pray. He would do anything to get in the way of prayer because prayer is the one thing he has no answer for. He's got a response for strategies. He's got a response for your for your machinations. He's got a response for your theories. He's got a response for your effort and your energy. But prayer is the one thing the enemy has no answer for. Um, I, I remember uh, one time, Justice and Zane. You know, he's the older brother. Zane is the younger brother. And uh, I relate to the older brother because I have a younger sister. And I remember what it was like to um, for the younger sibling to always get their way. But I also saw in him the older siblings' uh, penchant to um, pick on the younger sibling. Uh, as I saw Justice do it, I go, man, I got to say sorry to my sister because I could see some of the things that I did. And he does. And the problem is he's bigger than Zane, too. And so a lot of times the, their arguments end in a fight, uh, which, Z- which Justice usually wins. And uh, poor Zane, man. Zane will fight back to a point because um, he's just weaker. And, uh, but he's figured it out now. He's figured out the system. He's cracked the code. Just crack the code. When he when he when he, when him and his brother are at a at a point where he no longer has the strength, when he no longer has the answer, the smarts to, to the the quick wit to get back like or he just he just knows what to do. He just now now he just goes, This is what ends every fight. Now he just goes, Dad Justice did this to me. And then I, I get it. I I make sure. That what happened says happened. And then I just say, justice, stop it. And justice looked so sad because he was winning. (laughs) (laughs) And then Zane pulled out the trump card, which was, which was, which was dad. And uh, as I saw that, I I saw an image of the enemy and uh, you were fighting him. And uh, you were trying so hard to break some things in your life, trying so hard to change some things in your life. And he's just got you because he can be stronger. He can be smarter. He can be quicker, which is why he would rather you do anything than pray because when you pray what you're really doing, that's how I envision prayer. I envision prayer as breaking into my father's bedroom and saying, dad, he's picking on me. Daddy's picking on my finances. Daddy's picking on my marriage. Daddy's picking on my family. Daddy's picking on my mind. Daddy's picking on my holiness. Daddy's picking on my school. He's picking on my job. And then God saying, hey, 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 better quit it. And the devil putting his head down, thinking, dang, why'd you have to go to the Father? I wish you would have just fought me with your with your with your wisdom. I wish you would have just fought me with your with your passion. I wish you would have just fought me with with your with your with your strategies. I wish you would have just fought me with the, you know with all that. Why'd you have to call dad? When you call dad, things that you can't move on your own strength move. As a leader, you have to understand, we don't transform this world with our biceps or our plans. We transform this world through our prayers, first and foremost. The reason why Journey Church is where it's at today is not because of any one man. It's because of prayer. Yeah. When we launched the church, we launched with 21 days of prayer and fasting in January, 21 days of prayer in August, 21 days of prayer and fasting in January, 21 days of prayer in August. We've done that since the beginning. And, and, and here's here's a reality. You are living in your grandma's prayers today and your children are going to live tomorrow in your prayers today. Prayers are that powerful. They transform things. So why is the point called speak to the supervisor? Because, you all know, I've shared this story for Sean Sunday, but, you know, Liz, man, she has a way with uh, calling companies. She um, one time she got into a dispute with Zara uh, what was it for? You wanted to return something or yeah, two, different two different shoes in the same box. That's, that's wrong. That's wrong. So she called up Zara and she wanted to get with your money back or return. Would which one? Okay. Should to be specific? she she'd be telling like makeup stories sometimes when I preach So I'm like, let me get this detail, right? She wanted her money back. And uh, so she called them and they told her, they said, ma'am, there's no way that we can do that for you. But this is something that Liz taught me that she learned from her dad. She goes, that's cute. That's cool. Let me speak to your supervisor. <laughs> and then the supervisor always says, they'll always give you the runaround. They'll be like, well, let me try and handle it. I don't know what their inner metrics are, but I feel like they get in trouble if they let you go up the chain. I feel like that. I mean, I can't prove that, but why would they work so hard? to keep me from getting that person. And so, um, and so they got, she got to the one level. Then that person couldn't do it for what she needed to be done. So she went to the next level. Then that person couldn't do what she did. She got to the thula. She's like three tiers high in the organizational chart of Zara right now. She's finally speaking to somebody who says that he can get some stuff done. And she says, I need this to be done. And he goes, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And then she said this. When I tell you this about my wife, you're gonna think she's like cold-blooded, because she is, okay? She said this. (laughs) She said, oh, she said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was speaking to the owner of Zara. (laughs) She said, is this Mr. Zara right now on the phone? Am I speaking of Mr. Zara? I'm sorry. I, I seen her like that. She got real hood with that person. And, uh, and then the person was just like, so you, she, she was, she was, it was an honest question. So you're telling me that this is the most important person in Zara? Finally, that person said no. Transferred her one more level up. And, and, and she got what she wanted. What's crazy was that at every level below, they kept telling her the same thing. Sorry, man, we can't do it. It's not. It's policy. It's policy. It's policy. It's amazing how power trumps policy. I say that because you know what policy is loosely translated, what can and cannot be done in your mind. There is policy. I'm preaching so good right now. I'm sorry, but in your mind, there's policy. Do you know that we've, we've created policy for ourselves? What can and can't be done with my life? Why can't it can't be done through my family? Why can't it can't be done with my gifts? Why can't it can't be done with my talent? Why can't it can't be done with my ability? Why can't it can't be done with my ethnicity? Why can't it can't be done with my age? Why can't it can't be done with my education level? And it's amazing how power trumps policy. You just get the right person on the phone, and all of a sudden, what was policy becomes practical. What was impossible becomes possible. What everyone said couldn't be done what everyone said couldn't be done all of a sudden gets done when you get the right person on the phone. Amen. It's 821. We are two points in. I'ma just, I'ma skip. I'ma, nah, I'ma send you home. Hey, I'ma do part two next Thursday. Okay. I'll do part two next Thursday, but I'ma skip to 10 get to 10. <laughs> I'm going to skip to 9. I'm going to skip to 9. And I'm going to go 9, 10. And then we'll do part 2. If you're on the podcast, listen back in a month from now. We'll do part 2, numbers 3 through 8. <laughs> Maybe that'll end up being part 2 or 3. Maybe we'll make this a series. I'm not sure. But um, I want to give you number 9. Here's number 9. Number 9. Number 9. Find a dream to live in and live for. Find a dream to live in and live for. This is great leadership here. Because if you're a leader, um, naturally, you're going to have some ambition. Raise your hand if you've got some ambition, if you're a dreamer, if you've got, come on, let me see it. I'm really excited about the entrepreneurial age and era that we live in, um, because this is exciting to me. We've got more social media influencers, we've got more videographers, we've got more photographers, um, we've got more people starting their own businesses. I, I, I don't have the statistics, it just feels like, than, ever, than I've ever witnessed. And I'm excited about it, that entrepreneurial spirit. My one concern is that we live for my dream and not place our dream in the context of God's dream. That's my fear. um, That we would build a house that would collapse. That we would climb a ladder uh, propped against the wrong home. Uh, And so when I say find a dream to live in and a dream to live for, this this point really comes from the uh, the movie Inception. Have you guys ever seen Inception? It's a Leonardo DiCaprio movie. If you've never seen the movie, spoiler alert, it's a dream, okay, (laughs) it's all a dream. And in this dream, It's really not just a dream, but it's a dream within a dream, within a dream, within a dream. Kind of like those Russian nesting dolls. Have you seen those? One in one, in one, in one, in one. This is how I believe kingdom dreams were built. That I have a dream, amen. But my dream, listen, if I'm a leader, my dream needs to be big enough to hold the dreams of the people who I'm leading. Did you catch that? So if you're a leader... So when I think of Journey Church, I think of the thousands of people that I wanna see give their lives to Jesus Christ. That's my dream. But my dream's gotta be so big that within there, there's a dream for United Reach. That within there, there's a dream for a, a, a videography business. That within there, there's a dream for a homeless outreach, for a prison. So again, a great example of that was we've got a new member of our church. His name's Hector, who, um, who's been doing this Journey in the Jail thing. Anybody part of his group, Journey in the Jail group? Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, G, Gonzalo's a part of that too. And uh, actually opened some really cool doors for us. And, and, I, and when he wanted to, this is my, by the way, my talk with any new member of our church that I sit down with this is the first thing I ask them. I say, um, what's the dream in your heart? Why would I ask that question? Because I'm, I'm not trying to build my dream, but I'm trying to dream a dream so big that it can fit within that dream, the dreams of other people. And so he said, my dream is is prison ministry. And so we talked about it. And uh, now I think they're working on a second, like they were meeting in a jail already, but now they're working on a second location. Is that right, G? Something like that, working on a second location. And the dream is to have Journey Church in these jails. Can you imagine doing church on Sunday for the prisoners and the inmates who have no access to church on a regular basis? Like, can I tell you something? That was not my dream. That was not my dream. That was Hector's dream. But that dream is energy. And so so now here's what you're saying. So here's what I'm telling you. And my dream, my dream is not even my dream. We're a part of an association of churches called um, ARC, the Association of Related Churches, and the Assembly of God. At the top of that organization is this guy named Chris Hodges. 10 years ago, God gave him a dream for a thousand churches to reach a thousand people in attendance. Did you hear that? That was his dream. Guess what? We see just down February, March, we just averaged 1,090 people in attendance every Sunday, February, March. That's the average attendance right now. Here's why I share that. My dream, turns out, wasn't even my dream. It was living in the dream of another person. And so we got two responsibilities. We 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 got actually three responsibilities, okay? To pursue our dream, to make sure that our dream is living in the dream, and to dream so big that there are people underneath us who can dream as well. There's space for their dream and our dreams. Does that make sense? It's inception. That's number nine. And number 10, and we'll end here, and I'm glad that the worship team is up. Remember to remain. Remember to remain. Remember to remain. The Old Testament is big on remembering. Um, I, I remember I preached on this recently. About the power of remembering about how this generation is a research generation but if you really want to succeed in life you spiritually you got to become a remember generation you got to remember all the good things God has done for you I, I find that I get more done in life when I remember what he's already done for me it's a source of strength for me and so if you want to remain because because leadership by the way yeah, how can I say this Like as a leader, you know, you're not going to get it done overnight, right? Like if if there's one thing young people are notorious for, it's for overestimating your short-term impact and underestimating your long-term impact. You want to build a fortune 500 company in two years, you know, you want to get to however many followers, you want to get all this and you want to do it like that. That is your, that is your Achilles because if that's your expectation. When reality doesn't meet that expectation, you'll be filled with disappointment and you'll quit. But really, if you'd have just remained, if you'd have just remained, I had a chance to learn from a a leader of one of the Hillsong churches today. And he said that a good church grows at 7% a year. We had 124% year over year. He said 7%. He said, but but Hillsong is Hillsong because we've been growing 7% for 30 years. That's called compound interest, friend. And so it's not about trying to do it overnight. If I just remain, I'm trying to tell you that there are some battles in your life that you will win if you just, say with me, remain. There are some relationships that you've been praying to be restored that will experience restoration if you just. There are some levels and some, some, say dimensions that's weird but there's there's some new aspect of God that we're gonna uncover this a newness to our faith that we're gonna uncover if we just remain breakthrough is the result of a person who remains this is why we need the baby boomers in our church that's why I'm so grateful that so many of them call our church home if you were born in the 50s 60s early 70s you are an example for all the young Christians here. Listen, look to them. They are an example that you can remain. Like it's possible. Because I know sometimes you think like, I got about a good two months left of this whole Christian thing. And to be honest, I didn't know that I'd be going as long as I am right now. <laughs> like I'm, I'm pretty shocked that I made it so far right now. This is not the fullness of God's plan for your life, y'all. He didn't want you to go two months on this. Or even two years on this. He wants you to go 20, 30, 40. He wants you to take it to eternity, but you gotta remain. And the way that you remain is through remembering. Here's four things you gotta remember. Number one, you gotta remember why you said yes in the first place. Gotta remember that. Holy Communion, this is an opportunity to remember. To remember. Remember what? The cross. It's the source of why we do all that we do. If the cross ever gets old, you're not going to make it. Grace cannot grow stale. Grace cannot grow stale. It's got to be new and fresh to us. Every morning we wake up, I'm a product of His mercy. we got to live in that. Number two under this, number 10, is you got to remember how beautiful God is. you gotta, you got to remember. He's got to take your breath away. I've mentioned this before, but every morning I start with a reflection on the names of God. And I I say them in the Hebrew because it makes me feel more spiritual. And uh, you can say it in the English. So I go through them. I go, Jehovah Sidkanu, the Lord our righteousness. You Know what that means? That means that he already passed the test and he's given me the answers. So I wake up in the morning, before I look at my social media, before I check the sports score, because how many people know if your team lost, I could just mess up your whole day. Before I check the sports score, before I check my email, Because in my email, I get stats on the church, how it's doing. Sometimes those stats aren't great. I don't want that to be the first thing. I reflect on the names of God. So the first thing that hits my mind is, wow, I've already passed the test. Who am I trying to prove? When when I go through my identity, who am I trying to prove? Right? Then I go on to Jehovah Makkadesh, Makedesh. Pastor Jay, you know the right way to say it. I don't know. I know how it's spelled. m Kadesh. (laughs) And it's, it's the Lord my sanctifier you know what that means sanctification it's a really fancy way of saying he's still working on me how good it is to know that he's the God of the people of the process that like he actually uses the process as a part of his identity that if I wake up and I feel like I'm not yet who God wants me to be that that's actually built into the identity of God like yeah I'm the God of the halfway like that's what he said I'm not the God of the perfect. Well, he said that in in, in Sipkanu. I'm the God of the perfect because you're perfect in in, in standing, but you're still transitioning in state. It's the whole thing. But it's good. It's really good. Go to Bible school. Come. It's really good. I'll teach to you one day. State and standing. Then I go to Jehovah Jireh, which is like the most common, right? My provider. And And I'm praying this prayer from a home that I live in boys and a beautiful wife, and I think, wow, you've provided for me. Then I go on to Jehovah Nisi. He's got our victory. That means every battle that is lying ahead of me has already been won. Come on. Then I go to Jehovah Rapha, who's our healer. And I don't just pray healing over our body. I pray healing over my mind, over my past. I pray healing over my wife, over my children. Then I get on to Jehovah Ra'ah, which is God, our shepherd. That means, Lord, I'm going to be walking through some things today and I need guidance, but you're my guidance. You're beautiful. And then I always, always close off with, with Jehovah Shama, which is the Lord is there. There. Where is there? Exactly. Exactly. There, in the middle of my, of my trouble, he's there. Tomorrow, when I'm already out of it, he's already in my victory, just waiting for me to arrive. So I remember how beautiful he is. Number three, remember that heaven and hell are real. because if you remember that heaven and hell are real, you will lead. You will lead. you will lead. if you remember eternity, that heaven and hell are real. Go to work remembering that heaven and hell are real. Go to Thanksgiving, remembering that heaven and hell are real. It's, it's a real thing. And lastly, the last thing I like to remember is that I already won. Remember that you already won. You already won. Let me finish with a scripture verse. And a scripture verse here, and then I'll I'll let you, we'll we'll have prayer. Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy is the final epistle, the final letter of the Apostle Paul. Why is it the final one? He's about to be beheaded, uh, about to be executed, become a martyr, he's gonna die. And he knows he's gonna die. God's already kind of told him that. So he says this, verse six, for I am already, so 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse six, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. So I'm getting ready to go. I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. In other words, I have remained. And look what he says. Now there is in store for me, the crown of righteousness. That's important because back then, Paul would have been familiar with the Greek customs and the Olympics and the crown always went to the winner. But here's what he didn't say, please catch this because it's a revelation. He didn't say, I won first place and I get a crown. Did you catch that? He didn't say, I finished in first, and I can't wait to get my crown, Uh uh-uh. He said, I finished. He didn't give a place. You know why? Because in heaven, you don't win by coming in first. In heaven, you win by making it to the finish line. When I remember, I remain. And the result of my remaining is my eternal reward. That's a word for somebody who feels like they're competing. That's a word for somebody who feels like they're not strong, they're not fast, they're not smart, they're not holy, they don't have it all together. I just read you a verse that says you don't gotta be the fastest, you don't gotta be the strongest, you don't gotta be the smartest. But if you will just remain, if you will just hang on, if you will just hold on, if you won't throw in the towel, it doesn't matter if you sprint across that finish line. It doesn't matter if you walk across that finish line. It doesn't matter if you limp across that finish line. You could crawl across that finish line. All you gotta do is make it to the finish line. Just don't give up. If one day you move an inch, move it inch. If one day you move a foot, move a foot. Just somebody tell the Lord today, I will not quit. I will not give up. I won't stop walking. I won't stop running. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep striving. I will remain. I don't know if I can be perfect, God, but I'll remain.
0: you remain remain. thanks so much for joining us today we hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message we'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life if you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.